Hey everyone, we have a really important question that I wanted to answer for all of you as best as I can. Um, coming from someone who is facing, you know, impending death, you know, a question that we will all face in our lifetimes at different points, different junctures, some unexpected, some we will have some preparation for. Um, and so I'd like to read this question and then talk about it a little bit. Um, so talking about death and pre-planning, um, what happens when we die? Um, what can we expect when we begin to cross over? What can we um, plan for? What can we uh, expect to see? What types of things can we do to be more prepared for death? You know, when um, people have read my books and they read about the lost souls, how can we be sure and certain that we are not going to enter into a state like that ourselves? What can we do to make sure that we are doing the types of things that lend to an easy transition? Um, isn't it in the Bible to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. And so when a person says that a person has crossed over, that they are just with the Lord, is it that simple? Or is there more of a process? What is it like as my body systems begin shutting down? Is my soul preparing to exit my body? Will I hear noises or voices? What is heaven? Where will I go? What will I look like if I no longer have my body? Will I see my loved ones? Do I need to stick around for my funeral or to be with my loved ones? Or do I need to immediately go to the light? All good questions, right? All things that we would all think about if we are faced with knowing that our death is imminent and coming, and we just don't know exactly when, but it's okay, we wanna be ready, right? So to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. Well, to some extent, that can be true, but we also know that it is not always true, right? And so what we learn from the writings of the mystics like Emanuel Swedenborg is that when we cross over, just as in life, right, we are where we are compatible. We go where we are compatible. So where our mind is, where our heart is, that is too where our soul is. And so to be absent from the body we must know the Lord then to be with the Lord. We must seek the Lord to be with the Lord, right? Um, how does this then apply when we are dealing with family members, for instance, who don't know the Lord, who have lived lives who, where they don't believe in God or 
don't even really consider whether there's an afterlife and we're trying to help them perhaps cross over and and now they're just kind of dealing with this, right? This becomes a little bit of a challenge. And this is when our efforts become all the more efficacious. And people then say, well, what do you mean our efforts? This is where we step up in our prayers for them because we can't always do a lot in terms of helping them to make any great leaps in their understanding or even in their interest in understanding. So we have to bridge that gap, that divide for them with our prayers for them. And this is where we pray rosaries. We pray the chaplet of the divine mercy. And we do these things knowing that even though we may not fully understand how and why they work, we just know that they do. For instance, you know, yesterday I uh, entered into a deep meditative state, entered into the vibrational state, and um, I had picked up a soul who was a little bit lost, a little bit purgatorial, and this soul, this woman was pacing and you know, along my own home, but actually in an overlapping like boundary, it was a dark, long room pacing back and forth. And so I just began praying for her. I knew that she was stuck and she needed assistance. What did I do? I went with what I knew. I began with praying about 10 Hail Marys. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. As I did this, I saw in, I saw in my soul a vision of the Blessed Mother, all in white, almost like a statuesque image of her moving to different spaces in this dark place. And each place that the Blessed Mother was moving to was being purified and made whole. So I prayed that about 10 times. Then I prayed the glory be Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever, world without end. And then I prayed the prayer from Fatima. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven especially those in most need of thy mercy. I prayed that prayer about five to 10 times for her. And then I backtracked. You know, if you're thinking in terms of praying a rosary for someone, I was just going backwards a little bit, wasn't I? I started with the Hail Marys and then I went back and I prayed the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. I probably prayed that for her about three, four times. Then I prayed the Apostles' Creed. I prayed this for her, I think four or five times. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. She had been pacing and she had actually been kind of creepy, to be honest with you. She was messing with my feet. And as I was praying these things for her, the energies softened up and mellowed. And I continued to see this beautiful, purified, statuesque, white, blessed mother moving throughout this darkened room that she was in until all was still. And then the vibrations lifted and I was released. And when I came back, I did a rosary for her with another friend of mine later, wasn't right away, but it was a few hours later, we did a rosary for her to just make sure that this soul could cross over. Why do I share this? I want you to know the prayers that we are led to pray for souls who are crossing over who don't know God. People who die as atheists and who are lost or in a purgatorial realm because of it. So these are the types of things we are led to pray for them and things that we do. We stand in the gap. Sometimes we focus so much on how do I get them to understand? How do I get them to accept God before their death? And it's okay to try. It's okay to say things or share things if it feels right. But many times, the only thing you're going to offer is kindness, love, and compassion as someone nears their end because they may not be receptive at all. And your job may be to just emanate love because you cannot reach them in that way. And your prayer, your private prayerfulness that they may never see, it may be something you do privately for them, is how you are going to stand in the gap for them. And we will all face this as 
as spiritual beings because we have loved ones that we will assist when they cross over. And how do we then explain these things to them? How do we explain these things to ourselves? And so to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. So if we ourselves are with the Lord in life, yes, that is true. But if we ourselves are not with the Lord in life, it doesn't magically happen in death. So what can I say to those who are listening to this, who are not magically going to be with the Lord in death? And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I've never believed and I'm just listening to you because I know I'm dying and I don't know what to do. So here's some very simple things. There are some things that we know, some very simple things that we know that are really important, really easy to know, to do, that are going to help you here. We know from near-death experiences, hundreds and thousands of them, that people who have gone to hell in the near-death experience, the moment they pray to God or to Christ, or the moment they call out for help, they receive it. At least we hear of this from those who have gone to hell and been able to return. We can't speak for all things because we can't speak for those who died and were not allowed to return. We can't speak for that. We do have you know, writings of certain mystics and stuff. And I've talked a lot about Earth Store Bodhisattva who had a similar calling to myself. We both have been led to go in and liberate souls from the various hell realms. And both he and I have experienced that the moment that a soul who is actually already in a hell realm achieves and desires and calls out for assistance to reach a higher thrust, even if it's just a tiny little energetic shift, help is sent even into the lowest of hell realms. It is reflected even in the Psalms where David says, in the highest heavens, Lord, you are always there. And even in the lowest of hells, Lord, you are there. And we experience that. I have experienced that in my experiences, my travels, my out-of-body travels into those hell realms that the moment a soul calls for assistance, it comes instantly. And so why is this important? Well, we hear from thousands of near-death experiencers that have returned um, and many you know those who went to hell realms or had negative experiences that the moment that they prayed to God for assistance they received it the moment that they fell on their knees and asked God to help them they were delivered that the moment that they asked God for forgiveness and mercy and for another opportunity to do things differently, assistance came. 
again, we cannot speak for those who were not able to return. We can speak for those who were, where assistance came immediately. We can speak for thousands and thousands of near-death experiencers who also went to all the light realms. We also can speak for thousands of experiences of people who were atheists, who did not go into dark experiences at all, and who were taken before the feet of God, where God told them that he understood that they had childlike minds and did not understand these things, and that he understood that, and he revealed his great majesty to them, and then allowed them to come back, and their entire worldview changed because of that near-death experience. We've seen many different types of manifestations of how our belief systems are treated in these near-death encounters. And a lot of it has to do with what our intentions are or what they were in the uh, life that we led uh, uh, while in the physical flask. What does that mean to us? Well, it means that we were we were energetically charged by our intentions. If our intentions were of the light, if our intentions were good, then the way that we were regarded would be different than if our intentions were of a darkened nature. And that seems to be the pattern that we see in these near-death experiencers. Even if you compare um, those who have gone to hell, who had uh, similar views to those who have gone to heaven, they just, you see what they share about um, where their mindsets were before their death experience. It's a fascinating journey. And one of the reasons why I encourage people in the course of study that's offered at our site at outofbodytravel.org to uh, study a lot of these near-death experiences is because there is so much information to be had by seeing how these cases are handled differently. There is knowledge to be gained from it. So what does this tell you? Say you are facing imminent possible death. Let's say you've never believed. You don't believe right now, but you're just reaching out because you wanna be prepared. Okay, so I'm telling you the simple answer. You get into a bad situation, all you need to know is you pray to God for help. And you do so sincerely and you will receive it instantly. Remember that. Go into your journey into the next life with an innocent desire to discover the truth about God and about your existence, about 
what is the nature of why you were brought to this earth and what you were meant to see and understand. I remember that with a soul very close to me who was an atheist her whole life, I found it very fascinating when she passed how I was shown that it was actually intended that she not believe her entire life. It was part of her journey for this incarnation. It was necessary for what she had to glean from this adventure. It was necessary. So we can never judge these, um, these journeyings of one another. We must always perform the function that we are to perform. And for those of us who are spiritual, who are just by our nature that way, we stand in the gap with our prayers for our loved ones and for our fellow man. And we stand in the gap with our love and we don't judge the fact that these other experiences stand alongside the spiritual experience that we have and they are of equal value and equal merit. That's really important because we can have a tendency to get arrogant about why don't they see it the way we do? You know, we think we're so, you know, above it and it's no, we're not. These are things that we don't understand, just like we don't understand why when we pray those prayers, it releases souls. We just do it because we know it does. You see? So going back to these specific questions again. So to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. If we are with the Lord in our life, yes, that will be the case. So as you approach death, bring yourself ever closer to the Lord in your life, in your thoughts, in your prayers. Bring more prayerfulness, more spiritual reading into your heart as you are approaching death. And those are the things that make your soul more compatible as you prepare for this transition to be with the Lord as you cross. What is it like as my body systems begin shutting down? Many people report that, and in fact, it's very common, like within a week before people start seeing, you know, family members or angels, they start like living in this borderland between worlds. I know I experienced this myself when I was terminally ill, where you would be living in both worlds a bit. And um, I was never close enough myself to actually be able to answer the question of, what will it feel like when those particular systems shut down? There is an excellent book that was written uh, by a doctor called How We Die. And I read it years ago and I thought it was very fascinating when I, when I was considered terminal years ago. And of course I'm not anymore. And 
um, was very blessed to be healed. Um, but he goes through many, many uh, things of how we do die in various types of illnesses and or other circumstances and explains what happens with the body systems. And I would recommend that if you are specifically interested in how those systems shut down for particular uh, illnesses like cancer or cardiac illnesses, um, he goes in the steps. And so you really get a sense of, okay, so this is kind of how it will go. And it's very helpful. And I think that can be um, a nice little map to help you with something like that. Um, your soul will prepare to exit your body, um, but you can accelerate that preparation yourself. And you know, the best and easiest manner is through prayer. And if you're having trouble with prayer, feel free to use prescribed prayer, you know, have conversations with God. But if you're struggling because the whole thing is overwhelming, you know, get a little prayer book and use prescribed prayers just to help you out. You know, put yourself in that prayerful framework, um, but also bring in spiritual reading. And don't forget, this is actually an excellent time for that meditation because there's so much contemplative activity that's happening as a soul is preparing for death. Don't deny yourself that time where you're just quiet and silent with God or even just with yourself. Because this is a real calming time of just settling down, of preparing for, you know, feeling like you are complete, whole, um, going over, you know, do I feel like there's anything left that I need to take care of? And, you know, relationships, um, you go through a lot of reviewing your life, things like this, and that's essential and helpful. So just don't deny yourself or uh, any of that. It's a very peaceful thing and it's helpful. So allow yourself to have that meditative and contemplative time as much or as little, you know, as you feel so inclined. It's, it's completely up to each individual soul. As you cross over, will I hear noises or voices? You may hear that roaring sound of the astral plane as you're crossing over. Um, you may hear the voices which are the thoughts of humanity. And you may actually hear, you know, some people actually go and transcend that astral plane. And you may hear the voices of angels or the voices of your loved ones. Some people see their loved ones before they see, uh, you know, they see their loved ones first. A lot of people when they're crossing over do not necessarily go to the astral plane. They will transcend past it and they're seeing their loved ones before they head into the tunnel. Some people will see that tunnel and some people will not. Um, if you hear those noises or hear those voices, don't 
allow yourself to put too much concern to it. It's just literally the landscape. It's what is around you as you move through the landscape. Um, as you move into that, you're going to probably see uh, loved ones. You may meet with a guardian angel or many angels. Um, many people will go through life reviews and sometimes you'll go through life reviews even before the dying process. And the life review will be more of a process where you experience what your actions felt like to other people. It can be very intense, um, but a very beautiful experience as well. And what is heaven? Heaven is a vibration, just like everything else. So heaven is a vibration. So here we are, here's the astral plane. Here's where you may meet your loved ones and heaven may be somewhere up here. It's a higher frequency. And so this is where you are now moving through these frequencies to get to heaven. And heaven is often very much like uh, a higher emanation of uh, many different kinds of worlds, but for most souls, you will experience a higher emanation of what we see in this world. But that is only one aspect of it. There are millions of aspects of it, but what you will first experience will not be that dissimilar from what we have here. It will just be a higher expression of the world that you already know. And you will probably meet many of the ones that you've already known and loved, not only from this lifetime, but other lifetimes, those memories come back. It's very beautiful when they come back. Where will you go? Um, most souls will be taken to see some of their loved ones and you will be taken into one of these astral cities where you will then go through purification processes and it will be determined where you are compatible to go. And so there's processes that you will undergo to find out um, where it is appropriate for you to go next. And it's all a very, very well-ordered, well-thought-out process. Um, if you need assistance in one area, that is taken care of, it is given, and then it is figured out what area do you need assistance with next. It can be very multifaceted. You know, most souls will need, you may go through 20 different schools of purification as you're moving up, up, up towards different various phases of the heavenly spheres. And this is all going to be, you know, part of the uh, normal process. Um, some of them are schools, some of them are places of purification, things like this. What will I look like if I no longer have my body? Um, some of us look like carbon copies of ourselves um, in a spiritual form. So we're see-through, whatever. And eventually over a period of time, sometimes three to six months, sometimes longer, 
we morph back to what we looked like at about the age of 30. Um, and then, you know, uh, that's, that's pretty much all you need to know at this point, really. Uh, and so that's how you will look initially, you know, and that's, um, you know, you're going to look like a see-through version of yourself, you know, to other souls. Um, harder to see for those in the physical flasks, you know. Will I see my loved ones? Absolutely. Um, most souls will see their loved ones, a lot of your loved ones, and it'll be a joyous, joyous, beautiful reunion. Um, do I need to stick around for my funeral or to be with my loved ones, or do I need to immediately go to the light? What I have seen is that a lot of souls usually do hang around for the funeral and to just assist their loved ones in adjusting to this transition, and then they go to the light. But from what I have also seen, if you go immediately to the light, if there is a need for you to be there for those events, you're going to be able to do that. So even if you have transcended through the light, there will be an ability for you to be spiritually present for any events that is necessary for you to attend. So you needn't worry about that. If, um, so if you're in the position to go immediately to the light, I would recommend that you do um, because any other things will be taken care of from that standpoint. So trying to think of any other questions someone might have and you know, feel free to throw them out my way if you have them about this process, um, you're gonna then move through, uh, you know, and it's different for each person, but the way I've seen it, I'll tell you what I was taken through this dark tunnel and at the end is the light. And there is this, it's this um, misty, misty barrier. And once you pass through that barrier, um, it's like the barrier between this world and the next. Um, and it's at the end of what you call, what we often call the light at the end of that tunnel. Um, and when you go through that light and through that misty barrier, there's literally millions and millions of these beautiful worlds of eons of worlds. It's impossible. You know how St. Paul said, God has created, um, what we cannot imagine, you know, and that's so truly the case. Um, in the near-death experience I had, and I was taken to see um, all of these worlds, um, there really are no words. And it was, it wasn't one place. It was place after place after place, shooting, like, you know, shooting through space, seeing these millions of worlds, and they were all so beautiful, so beautiful. You know, and so keep your face on the Lord and he will keep his face on yours and trust in him and you will be fine. You will be fine. Remember, you are his child. He wants nothing more for you than what is absolutely your best. He created all of this for all of us. He wants all of that to be for you. Don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. And as St. Padre Pio would say, pray and don't worry. So remember, to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. So stay with the Lord while you're with the body so that when you are absent from the body, you remain with him still. Okay.